Numbers is a book about Moses' dealings with, with Israel, and that wasn't always a pleasant thing because Israel was a tough bunch of folks to lead. Every time something went bad, they wanted to kill Moses. Every time they ran into a difficulty, they said, why did you do this? Why did you bring us out of here? It was better to stay down in Egypt than to get out here and wander in this wilderness like this. They were always looking back, never looking forward. It was such a difficult group. And Moses, the Bible called him the meekest man of the earth. There even came a time when God determined, I'm going to kill them. I'm going to wipe them all out. Isn't that something that God decided to abandon the whole idea of populating the earth with us? He never gave up on me. Yes, he did. There was a time when he gave up on us. And brother, what a debt we owe to Moses the meekest man of the earth. And he said, Lord, you cannot do this because of your righteous reputation. Because I've spread teledotes all over the place that you're a great God and that you're a God of love and you're a God of compassion. For your namesake, you can't do this. When God had said, get out of my way, Moses, and let me destroy him. And Moses went to God for us. What about that? Praise God. Thank God he did or we wouldn't be here today. Amen. And God changed his mind and decided to go forward with this experiment with us. And brother, I'd like to tell you that it's always been good and favorable, but wow, there are so many times I'm sure when God just really became vexed and angry with us. In fact, he became so angry with us, he sent us off into Babylonian captivity one time. Stayed 70 years. But God said, I will not always be angry, and I will not always chide. And before Jeremiah left Israel, he said, God said to Jeremiah, I said, go buy a piece of ground. He said, buy a piece of ground. He said, I'm about to go into bondage to the Babylonians and the Chaldeans for 70 years. Why would I buy property? He said, you need to invest in the future. Because one day, <laughs> one day he said, you'll be coming back. I will restore and I will heal. You know, every time that God puts something in the way that he says, don't do this and don't touch that and don't be a part of that, he always warns us that don't do that. But when we do it anyway, he always, by grace, gives us a way back. And did you know right now that we're living in days of grace? Because this world has a prophecy on it. And there's a prophecy about a terrible storm that's coming. It's called tribulation. And a terrible time of famine when a third of the population of this earth is going to die. A terrible time of pestilence when the moon will turn to blood when all kinds of things will happen, disastrous things. Not for us, the people of God, but for this world and for civilization as a whole. But I want to tell you, God has given us days of grace. Days of grace. Today, if you will hear his voice. Today, if you will open the door and let him in. Today, if you will make a commitment, make a move, now is the time. Not another time, but now is the time for you to make that move. In Numbers chapter 
19, God has already given what was the Talmud to Moses. That was the ceremonial law whereby you were deemed clean or unclean. With God, there's no middle ground. You're either clean or you're unclean. And what made you unclean was to be around something that was dead. In other words, if you touched a dead person, you were ceremonially unclean. I'm talking about Old Testament now, don't worry. Chris has got a good job over at the mortuary. But I'm talking about ceremonial, and in the eyes of God, and coming into his house, you couldn't come to his house unless you were clean. And you had to do certain things to be clean. And if a priest touched a dead body, wow, was he ever more in trouble. So most of the time, they just avoided anything that was dead. And isn't it great that when Jesus saw that little funeral procession coming out of a city called Nain, that Jesus walked over to the procession and the widow was following and her son was dead. Her husband had already died and she was standing there miserable and needing something to happen for her. And Jesus walked over and the Bible said, and he touched the beer. He touched the procession. He touched the casket. And the Bible said, then he touched the little boy. And he said to the little boy, he said, son, I command you, rise, rise, and be healed. And the Bible said, and then, can somebody say then? And then the child sat up and lived. Evidently, Jesus wasn't too afraid to touch dead things. You know why? Because he said, I'm the resurrection, and I'm the life. Dead things don't pose a problem for me. I'm the one that raises dead things. I'm the one that speaks life into dead things. I'm the one that brings about a change when things are dead. I will come along and I'll make them live again. When bones are dead and dry and chalky and people are asking, can these bones live? I would say yes, yes, because in him was life and that life was the light of men that lighteth every man that cometh upon the earth. Praise God. Jesus was a priest who wasn't afraid of dead things. In Numbers chapter 19, verse 1 through 10. Now the Lord said to Moses and to Aaron, This is the statute of the law which the Lord has commanded. Tell the people of Israel to bring you a red heifer without defect, in which there is no blemish, and upon which a yoke has never come. And you shall give her to Eleazar the priest, and she shall be taken outside the camp and slaughtered before him. And Eleazar the priest shall take some of her blood with his finger and shall sprinkle some of her blood toward the front of the tent of meeting seven times. And the heifer shall be burned in his sight, her skin, her flesh, and her blood with her dung, and shall be burned. And the priest shall take cedar wood and hyssop and scarlet stuff and cast them into the midst of the burning of the heifer. And then the priest shall wash his clothes, bathe his body in water, and afterwards he shall come into the camp. 
and the priest shall be unclean until evening. And he who burns the heifer shall wash his clothes in water and bathe his body in water and shall be unclean until evening. And a man who is clean shall gather up the ashes of the heifer and deposit them outside the camp in a clean place and they shall be kept for the congregation of the people of Israel for the water for impurity, for the removal of sin. Somebody say the removal of sin. The removal of sin. And he who gathers those ashes of the heifer shall wash his clothes and be unclean until evening. And this shall be to the people of Israel and to the stranger who sojourns among them a perpetual statute. In Judaism, the Old Testament covenant based upon the Talmud, which is the law, the Mosaic law, contained prohibition against touching a body, a grave, or anything to do with a dead person. Why so much concern about dead things? Well, you must remember the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. In fact, in Ezekiel 3, 18 and 20, the Bible says, The soul that sinneth shall surely die. In James 1 and 15, when he talks about temptation, brings about sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. So death has become the enemy of us all. The enemy of us all, death and hell, are two great enemies against the human race. But thanks be to God, to the one who said, I have conquered death. Thanks be to the one who said, I am the resurrection and the life. And if you believe in me, though you were dead, yet shall you live again. This Jesus, who has the light of life that lights all of us, has said in our, our presence that sin shall not have dominion over you because I go to the Father. I've conquered the world. I've conquered sin. I've conquered death, hell, and the grave. I have got the victory. Hallelujah. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even the faith that you have in the Lord Jesus Paul said, the life I now live, I live it by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me that he might redeem me from all imperfection and impurity, that he might purify unto himself, purify unto himself a, a, a good people, a, a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Why? That he might present unto himself a glorious church not having spot or blemish or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without spot. Can you thank God that he always makes a provision for us? Always makes a provision. He said, don't touch anything dead, but if you do, here's what you need to do. Wow. Death and hell had reigned from Adam unto the cross. Death and hell, but Jesus conquered at the cross and at the resurrection. He conquered death and hell and the grave. You see, the, the para adumna is the red heifer. It became the propitiation for sin in the Old Testament sacrifice and the Old Testament tabernacle, the tent of meeting. In other words, when, when there was sin in the camp, God said, this is the process. This is what you do to fix it. This is what you do to restore relationship with me. This is how you go from unclean to clean. Messed up when you went from clean to unclean, but here's how you go from unclean back to clean. Oh, you didn't get that. 
Somebody better help me preach this this morning. Are you telling me, Pastor, that God restores, He forgives, and He restores, that He's a God of second chances, that God still loves you even when you have become unclean, and He wants to restore you and put you back and, and heal you and revive you and restore you and renew you in Him? Yes. The red heifer is discussed here during the, in the Chukat portion of the Torah. These verses are also read as the final Torah reading on Shabbat Parah, the Sabbath of the red heifer. It occurs the last Shabbat of the month of Adar. That's March. It's shortly before Passover. In other words, God says Passover is coming. When you go every year back to Jerusalem and go back to the tent, but he said they posted a notice usually in all conspicuous places in Judaism. It reminded everybody what's right here. Don't go back to Passover if you're not clean. Don't travel to Jerusalem. Don't try to go up the steps of the temple if you're not clean. And they told everybody, here's how you get clean. Hallelujah. You know, that's what we're doing here at, at 520 Golden Springs Road. We're telling everybody how to get clean. We're telling people how, how to get washed in the blood. We tell people how to go from where you are now to where God wants you to be. We tell you that God's a God who heals. God's a God who forgives. God is a God who restores. And he can take you from where you are and put you back in fellowship with him. This is how it happens. And that's what we call the gospel. For God sent me not to baptize, God sent me to preach, to preach the unsearchable riches of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Greatest thing this church does is preach. Preach. You don't just preach from here either. You preach with that sign out there that says drive-through prayer. You preach by living a godly life in front of those that you work with every day. You preach by living a life that testifies of the grace of God, the forgiveness, the love, the peace, the glory of the Lord, the grace that comes from knowing him. That's what God put us here to do. Only people who were clean and pure could eat from the Passover sacrifice. You couldn't partake of the Passover meal. That, what is that meal that we call it, Brother Don? That communion, yeah, that's part of it. But there's another, Seder, is that it? The Seder meal? We did that one time. We had some Jewish people who came to our church and they prepared the Jewish Seder meal for us one year. You remember? Hey, me and Susan, only ones that remembers that, Susan. Praise God. I'm glad you got a memory good as mine. What about that? That, that was so special that God's word in Jewish law was, you can't eat of that if you're not clean. If you're not clean. Aren't you glad that you don't have those rituals and ceremonies and seven times sprinkle this and, and seven times mark that on the door and bow this many times? And Aren't you glad that you don't have to do that anymore? Aren't you glad that all of that has been fixed and it's as simple as calling upon and trusting the Lord Jesus Christ for who he is and what he did at Calvary's cross. He, somebody said he did it all for me. Yeah, he did. He did it all for me. All to him I owe. 
sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. Why, Pastor? Then is it a red heifer? Well, actually, there have only been nine red heifers born since the time of Moses. Did you know that? Only nine. Hey, even their hoofs are red. I saw a picture of one. Are you kidding me, Pastor? Yeah, nine, and there hasn't been one born in 2,000 years. I'll tell you about something at the close of this service that'll make your heart jump up and down and scream hallelujah. 2,000 years and not a red heifer born. Every time the priest would find something wrong with it. Every time the rabbis would come because it had to be perfect and it had to have all the hair on it had to be red. And the rabbis even declared they would still accept it if it had as many as two Hairs that weren't totally red. Can you imagine how many million hairs there on a cow hide and them rabbis? Hey, no, no yoke could ever be, in other words, it could never have, have been used to do anything earthly here. It could never have carried any burden of any kind. And the rabbis declared that if a bird came and lit on the back of a red heifer, it was unclean and couldn't be the sacrifice. So there hasn't been one for 2,000 years. There's only been nine since Moses. But there is a rabbi, Malchides, in the 11th, 12th century it was. He had this revelation from God that the Messiah, when the Messiah comes, and he's not talking about Jesus here, when the Messiah comes, this is a Jewish view, when the Messiah comes, he will offer the red heifer for Israel once again. So there won't be another one until Messiah comes, they said. There won't be another one until temple worship is reinstituted, an animal sacrifice is brought back into the temple. Well, for there to be a offering of a red heifer, and there has to be a, a priest, and there has to be a temple. So everybody's asking, Pastor, when you were over there, did you see anything about a temple being rebuilt? Everybody wants to know about the temple being rebuilt because the red heifer cannot be offered if there isn't a temple and a priest in place. Well, I'll tell you, this is what I did. I went to a place called a yeshiva. It is a place where they are training Jewish young men, rabbis and priests to offer animal sacrifices. I actually saw with these eyes the golden laver where the priest goes in and washes himself. I actually saw the silver trumpet that has no seam. I actually saw the headdress that will go on the high priest during the tribulation period. I actually saw the breastplate of righteousness. I actually saw the linen garment that he had on. I actually saw the golden trumpet. 
actually saw the knife, the device. It's all been done. It's already prepared. They've already made ready for it. They're just waiting on one thing. One thing to rebuild their temple, and that's the bringing out of the Ark of the Covenant. That's a big movie's made about that one, aren't there? Where is the Ark of the Covenant? Well, I'll tell you this, God knows. God knows, and God has appointed a day. Do you know that when that Ark is brought out, there will be bloodshed all over that temple mount? Because the one thing that will cause so much killing and so much chaos is the bringing out of that ark. In a moment's notice, there would be 100,000 Muslims on that Temple Mount area if they brought that ark out. Can you imagine all that hostility? But what a beautiful stage to sit for the Antichrist to slip in and say, I've got a solution to the problem. All three of the great religions of the world claim that one piece of mountaintop there as their origin and their genesis. What if a man was to come in and suggest that we're going to be so accepting that we'll let, let Al-Aqsa Mosque sit there but we can put a Jewish temple here and restore Judaism. And for you Christian folks, we can build y'all a, a building over here. And let's just have peace. Because the Bible said when he comes in, his anthem will be peace. He will ride a white horse, which is a symbol of peace. His message will be peace and safety. He'll work out a solution where there will be peace and not bloodshed. Brother, if this world could find a solution today where the wars that are being fought could be stopped and people would agree to have peace, they would follow that leader through anything. They would go through anything for that leader. But the Bible said when men began to declare peace and safety, then sudden destruction come upon them and they shall not escape. Boy, I sense that, that. Do you feel the air get thick in here? You start talking about these things, and brother, you get into the devil's territory. You start invading his, his space because God has a plan to overthrow all the evil and all the sin and all the wickedness of this world. God is going to reign in righteousness. God is going to prevail in righteousness. God is going to overcome all the rebellious things that man has done upon this earth because God's not finished with this earth. And God has a plan for all of us. All of us. The Haftarah in Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 16 through 38. Ezekiel, I will sprinkle clean water upon you and ye shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your uncleanness and from all your Fetishes, which means idolatrous practices. And I will give you a new heart, and I will put within you a new spirit. That restorative activity by God into the human spirit points the way toward a Passover theme of his redemptive provision in that something has to give its life for us. Why a red heifer, Pastor? Why red? 
If you remember, the color of sin is red. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. That red heifer, his birth was so, so rare in all of Israel. So rare it is, Paul said, for a righteous man to give his life for another. But greater love hath no man than this, than he would lay down his life for a friend. And Jesus said, I did not come to heal people who are already well. I came to heal sick people. I didn't come to the righteous. He came, said, I came to the sinner. I didn't come to those children that are in the table and in the house. I came to seek and to save that which is lost. I came to go out and to find and rescue and restore. In Mark chapter 14, verse 58, we heard him say, I will destroy this temple that is made with hands. And within three days, I will build another that is made without hands. Paul told those Athenians at Mars Hill when he gathered there in the 17th chapter of Acts, verse 16, he said while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him. When he saw that city wholly given to idolatry, therefore disputed he in the synagogue with the devout persons and the Epicureans and the Stoics and them that met with him. And they said, what will this babbler say? Others some he seemeth to be a setter forth of strange doctrine because he preached unto them Jesus and the resurrection. He said, when I came down to this place, I passed a statue that you had to an unknown God, whom therefore you ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you. Glory to God. God, look at verse 24 in Acts 17. God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples that are made with hands, neither is he worshiped with men's hands as though he needs anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things. Can you say thank God he's not worshiped in temples made with hands and hath made of one blood all nations of men to dwell upon the face of the earth and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation that they should seek the Lord if haply they might feel after him and find him though he be not far from every one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being as certain also of your own poets have said, for we are his offspring. For as much then as we're the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead is like gold or silver or stone graven by art and man's device. And the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now God commands all people everywhere to repent because he hath appointed a day. Do you see that 31st verse? Because he hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by who? By that man. Somebody say that man. Behold that man. Who is that man? That man is the Lord Jesus Christ. That he will judge the world by that man whom he hath ordained. Whereof he hath given assurance unto all men in that he raised him from the dead. Jesus lived a perfect life. There was no guile found in his mouth. And the Bible said, 
that the sin of us all was placed upon him. Surely he hath borne our sorrows. Surely he hath borne our griefs. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. In his body he bore our sins, nailing our sins to his cross. If you'll read that Markan, Lucan, and Matthean account, you'll find out that Jesus was not crucified in a cathedral between crystal chandelabras. But the Bible said, through the gate, outside the gate, out on the dumpster, out on the dump, the garbage dump, out on that Appian Way where many crosses stood. It wasn't a red heifer that they nailed to that cross that day, but it was a sacrifice. I said it was a sacrifice. And the Bible said, and he was unclean until noon. You see, there was a time when the Lord Jesus hung on that cross and was so unclean that his father wouldn't look upon him. There was a time when my sin and your sin was so great that he prayed, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That was because of your sin. He was made to be unclean for us who knew no sin. He was made unclean. Of those utterances that he made, one was when he offered salvation to a thief. When that thief just simply said, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said, this day shalt thou be with me in paradise. Oh, what a Savior. Oh, what a Redeemer. Oh, what a sacrifice. Oh, what an offering. Whose blood is so precious that it's been sprinkled upon the door of all the redeemed as we enter his house to worship. I'm here today because of the blood of Jesus. You're sitting in those chairs because of the blood of Jesus. You had energy to get out of that car and take those steps and push that door and walk in this building because hallelujah, one day long ago the blood of Jesus was shed. That provision was made for you to come into his presence. Access into this grace. Access into this wonderful thing we call redemption and salvation. Sacrifice. Acceptable unto the Lord. When that calf at one time was an acceptable offering to God, God indulged their sin because an animal had given its life outside the gate. Outside the gate, outside the gate, he was slaughtered and his blood was spilled. 
And immediately when that blood was spilled, Eleazar would take that blood and carry it to the house of God and say, here's the way you gain entrance into the presence of God. Jesus said there's no other door. There's no other way. There's no other entrance. No man cometh unto God but by me. No man can have a relationship with God. No man can experience healing and restoration and forgiveness of sin except through me and the blood of Calvary's cross. Oh, the blood of Calvary's cross. Slaughtering of that red heifer was described and it took place outside the gate. Outside the gate. Those ashes of that red heifer were collected and stored in a ceremonial clean place outside the camp. The ashes were used in the water cleansing. It's for purification from sin, Numbers 19 and 9. The law goes on to detail when and how the ashes of the red heifer were to be used in purifying those who came into contact with a dead body. Whosoever touches a human corpse will be unclean. They must purify themselves with water on the third day. On the seventh day, they will be clean. That cleansing process involved ashes. Put some ashes, verse 17 and 18, put some ashes of the burnt purification offering into a jar and pour fresh water over them. And then a man who is ceremonial clean is to take some hyssop. Take some hyssop. Wow, that's a sponge-like material. Dip it in the water and sprinkle anyone who has touched a human bone or a grave or anyone who's been killed or anyone who has died a natural death. Wow, what was that hyssop dipped in? It was dipped in that water that God had deemed a propitiation for cleansing from sin. Oh, I'm so glad we don't have to do that now. I'm glad I don't have to preach a gospel of a red heifer. I'm glad I don't have to point people to a red heifer and say, go to that red heifer to be healed. Go to that red heifer to be cleansed. I'm so glad, Jesus. I'm so glad that on a day that the Lord appointed, he sent his son to this earth. He sent the Lord Jesus because he loved the world and he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe on him would not perish but have everlasting life. Hebrews chapter 13, for the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. So Jesus suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Oh, Lord. What a day for the screens not to work. My Lord, I want you to understand. I'd love for you to read that yourself because it's so powerful as you read it that God has opened up a way that you can be sanctified. Sanctified. That means washed. That means cleanse. You know what the word sanctification means? It means holiness. And the Bible said, and without holiness, no man shall see God. Without this experience of cleansing. Hallelujah. Christ died for believers' sins. Connor, come on and help me quit. 
The Lord Jesus was without blemish, just as that red heifer was to be. He knew no sin. As the heifer was sanctified outside the camp, Jesus was offered outside the camp. Hebrews 13, 11, for those bodies of those beasts whose blood out without the gate. And just as the ashes of a red heifer cleansed those people from contamination with death, so the sacrifice of Christ saves us from the penalty of death. Hebrews 9 and 12. Tell me when you got it. Hebrews 9 and 12. Got it? Come on, all you slow, thumb, thumb, weary people. Got it? Listen to us read it. Read it with me. Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of a heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Jesus Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge you, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. According to the futuristic theme of eschatology, there will indeed be a third temple in Jerusalem. Jesus prophesied a desecration of that temple during the tribulation. Matthew 24 and 15 and 2 Thessalonians 2 and 4, the Bible said this antichrist in the middle of the week would break his policy and it will command that people take his mark either in the palm of their hand or in their forehead without which they could neither buy nor sell. He will move his headquarters from Europe to Jerusalem and in the reconstructed third temple, he will set up his headquarters and will rule the world from the temple in Jerusalem. Well, that lets us know a temple has to be built, doesn't it? And that lets us know that if they're going to go back to a temple, then they've got to have a red heifer. August 18th of 2018, in the country of Israel, near the city of Haifa, there was born the 10th red heifer. Almost one year ago. Well, that heifer cannot be used for a sacrifice until it's two or three years old probably somewhere between two and four years. Well, if tribulation, it's already several months old, if tribulation is three and a half years, broken in the middle of the week, then boy, God's clock must be pretty, pretty close. I said God's clock must be getting pretty close to alarm day, mustn't it? Hadn't been a red heifer born in 2,000 years, but in August of 2018, one was born. And Malchides said the Mashiach, for which Jewish people look for still today, that they will accept him and put him on the throne and put him in the temple in Israel. 
Pastor, you're scaring me. Well, let me just say this to you. If I scare you enough that you'll make a move, then it's a good scare. It's a good scare. You know, preacher, preachers in these days don't, don't usually preach these kind of themes because people will accuse you of being an alarmist. I'm not an alarmist. I just want you to know that the Bible, he hath appointed a day. You see that 31st verse? He hath appointed a day. I don't know when that day is, folks. But I know one thing. It's not a time to play religion. And it's not a time to get lax and dilatory about church and serving God and loving God and knowing Jesus. You see, if I knew something out there in the future is coming and I didn't tell you, I would be a terrible person for not telling you. I will, if, I, if I err, I want to err on the side of being a good steward and being a good prophet. And I want to tell you, the Lord is soon coming. If nothing else would tell you that, that only nine since Moses have been born and the tenth one was born last August. What are you saying to me? I'm saying you don't have time to play around. I'm saying you don't have, a, have time to just ignore and cast aside God and church and serving the Lord and living for Jesus. You don't have time to just dismiss all that you've dismissed most of your life because time is running out. I'm, I'm telling you the truth. Time is running out. And he hath appointed a day. He hath appointed a day. And I want to be ready. Do you want to be ready? Do you want to be ready? I'd have to get up a lot of bravery to preach it. But if I was to ever preach to you what's going to happen after the church is gone, Hollywood can't make a movie like that. Cecil B. DeMille can't make one like that. Hollywood can't conceive a holocaust like that. When plagues, all kinds of bad things are going to happen on this earth, folks. You can't afford to miss. I said you can't afford to miss. I said you can't afford to miss. Nothing, nothing is worth missing this event that I'm talking to you about. You know what? Proof that we're in the last days is I'm finishing this sermon. I used to not ever get a sermon like this finished. People would jump and run to the altar while I was preaching it, Brother James. But now then, you just get ho-hummed right on out the door. I'm going to tell you, on a day just like this day, yes. an ordinary day just like this one, yes. are you clean? I said, are you clean? I said, are you clean? If you're not ready, here's your chance. You can get ready. Do I have to go find a red heifer? No. You don't need a red heifer. On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross. And I love that old cross where the dearest and best for a world of lost sinners was slain. I'll cling to that cross. 
I'll take refuge in that cross. Because on that cross, there's a sacrifice named Jesus. And his blood avails for every sin in your life. You can leave here washed. Somebody say washed. You can leave here washed. Washed. Well, that's a great word, isn't it? Washed. Are you washed? Stand with me, please, all over this house. If you're not washed, I want to give you a chance to get washed this morning. Can everybody in this house say to me, Brother Irwin, if the trumpet should sound right now, wish Doc had his trumpet up here, I'd get him to blow it. If the trumpet would sound right now, not 10 minutes, right now, right now, can you say, I'm ready? I'm ready. I don't have to pray a prayer. I don't have to go apologize to anybody. I don't have to go make anything right. I don't have to go make restitution, pay back something I should have paid a long time ago. I don't have to do anything. I'm ready right now. If the Lord was to come this moment, I'm ready to go to meet God. Can everybody say that? Can everybody say that? Can everybody in this house say that? If you can't say that, then here's your, here's your opportunity. Here's your opportunity. Pastor, I don't want to walk down in front of everybody. Everybody think I'm, I'm an old sinner. Uh, Jerry said he'd walk down here with you. Then if you're ready to meet God, and there's nothing between your soul and your Savior, I need to see your hand up in the air. I'm ready, Pastor. Nothing between my soul and my Savior. I'm ready. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. I'm just counting to make sure. Josh, get that hand up, boy. Hey, one day you'll want him to put his hand up for you. He'll put his hand up for you. You want him to testify for you? Testify for him right now. Put that hand up and say, yes, I'm his. Yes, he lives in my heart. Yes, he forgave me of my sin. Yes, I'm washed in the blood. Yes, my name's in the Lamb's book of life. Yes, I'm on my way to heaven. Yes, 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 yes. I know him. Yes, he's my Savior. Yes, his blood avails for the sin in my life. Thank you, Jesus. Now give God some praise because you're saved and ready to go. 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 Even so, come Lord Jesus. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Come right now. Come today. Come today. Praise God. Come today, Lord. Blessed be his name. Well, ain't God good to us? He's the best, isn't he? He's the very best.